Welcome back to the Inner Circle Podcast. Uh, I have with me as my guest this week, Evan Kerstel. Uh, so Evan, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, give the audience a little background on uh, who you are and what you do. Thanks very much. It's Evan here. Uh, I'm in the Boston area, and uh, I've been around the enterprise uh, tech world for, gosh, 25 years, so I'm, I'm really dating myself. And um, I'm an independent enterprise tech influencer uh, of sorts. I, I work with companies big and small to help leverage uh, social media and digital for storytelling and thought leadership and evangelization. So uh, really nice to be on the show and, and to connect again. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, sort of the way uh, you know, I even, I, I learned about you in the first place is just your, your social media presence. Um, and because, you know, I have a day job, uh, with alert logic doing, uh, the blog and social media and, and stuff for alert logic, you know, part of my job is to also look out, uh, you know, go, go out on social media platforms and look for those people who are influencers and try to, you know, see what you're doing, engage, you know, follow, follow the trends, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, so, so in TweetDeck, you know, I've got different columns to monitor, you know, when, when, when alert logic is mentioned or when I'm mentioned and, you know, all these different, I have like probably 25 columns in TweetDeck. And one of the columns that I have set up is just a list of influencers who I follow. And there's probably 40 or 50 influencers on this list, but one of the things that I, I often find when I look is you, your, your, uh, on Twitter, um, even though you're only one of 40 or 50 people, your volume of social media is probably 80% of the feed. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. It, it, <laughs> it is, I would say an unhealthy obsession. But uh, I, I actually enjoy it. And I enjoy it because there's a tremendous amount of education and insight out there. And I just love learning and opening new doors and exploring. And, and um, you know, social media is kind of a window into the web now. So it's a wonderful platform for that. And it's great for, frankly, uh, meeting new people, uh, meeting people like yourself in the quote-unquote real world. Um, some of the best relationships, clients, business partners, friends uh, that I've made and, and met over the last decade have been through these social media channels. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty obsessive about it. So you see me out there a lot. But I also have quite a few tools and tactics and tricks and techniques and hacks and things that I found effective over the years so that I am seen and heard pr pretty widely and I, I help my clients with that as well so right so yeah that that's kind of what I do now for uh, for a living for better or worse right I mean uh, that is that is more or less the point but one of the things I will I will say as well there, there there's being prolific and there's providing value and the two don't necessarily have to go together there's lots of people who are very prolific and not providing value uh, I, I, sometimes I'm probably one of them, um, <laughs> cause it's real easy to go out there and just like and retweet and like and retweet, uh, without adding anything. Um, but one of the things that, uh, I, I generally like about your feed is that it's not just a, a, a prolific volume of tweets coming through, um, with no, not without value. Like, I like, you know, generally, I mean, not everything you tweet is something that I'm like, wow, you know, I, I'm really glad I know that now. Uh, but a lot of it is. And I, I mean, I, and it's, a, and it is a way for me to kind of 
you know, following you on Twitter is a way for me to stay up on a lot of other things uh, that I don't have the time to go, you know, monitor all of that myself. So it's kind of like you're curating the Internet for me. Yeah, and I have others who I look to in turn for amazing curated news and stories and insights. And uh, welcome to the new world of, of social media for, for better, sometimes for worse. Um, you know, I find social is constantly evolving as well. So, you know, whether it's the algorithms or the platforms that are coming and going, it, it, it's definitely a full-time job to stay on top of what's trending and what's new and cool. And uh, whether it's, you, you know, the rise of LinkedIn, uh, niche sites like Quora, you know, Reddit is on fire. You have Nextdoor, which is sort of the next Facebook for local social media and on and on. And so, yeah. we, you know, these, 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 these tech platforms, these social media platforms are constantly rising and falling and shifting and evolving. And so it's fascinating uh, kind of being a student of them. It is. Yeah, I was just my, my, my wife and I were just talking the other day about uh, Twitter and, and, and I was reflecting on how like 2008 ish, uh, you know, like when, when, when Obama was running for president the first time, um, it kind of really hit its stride and became this, this massive thing that everyone used to follow like breaking news. And initially, there was like sort of a backlash or a pushback from traditional news outlets, from traditional, you know, like you know, the, the Fox Newses and the CBS Newses of the world were like, oh, well, that's not a real, that, that's not real news. That's not a real thing. And they tried to downplay it initially. And then you, you fast forward 10 years and it's like now when you turn on the news, all they're doing is reading a Twitter feed. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's pretty shocking and stunning how uh, influential social media has become in driving the headlines and driving the stories and the news cycle uh, with very uh, scary consequences. You, you know, the ma manipulation has never been uh, higher, whether through personalities, politicians, or, or even bots. And so it's a scary time to be a consumer of news and information and a pretty confusing time at that. Now, the good news is there, there's plenty of, of good stuff happening and plenty of great curators like myself and real news sources and, and so and journalists and analysts and media who are, you know, are quite thoughtful. And so it's just a matter of separating the wheat from the chaff. Right. But that, you know, that seems easier said than done for like myself or you. Um, you know, I've had conversations and I'm going to go back to the you know 2016 election uh, and, and, and I, I, I'll, I'll actually I'll avoid the election. <laughs> uh, but my, my father-in-law uh, and, and, and my uh, you know, stepmother-in-law, um, they are not, um, they're not like Luddite. I mean, they're not, they're, they're, they're not, they, they don't, they don't not use technology. They have iPads and iPhones and, and they, they, right. you know, they use these things. They're online, they're on Facebook, they have Instagram. Um, but they don't have, what they, what they don't have is the, the filter, the, the, the ability to look at it and, and tell what's real and what's not. Um, and, and I think part of that comes from uh, there. And I don't want to be ageist here, but I think part of it comes from growing up in a generation where you had, you know, Walter Cronkite and, you know, or even, you know, Ted Koppel, like there, there was a time when, you know, it didn't matter what channel you turned on. You, you, you sort of had an inherent trust of the news anchor and, and it was earned. You know, like, like they, 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 they didn't do things that would make you uh, question that trust. And, you know, so so if you're if you're raised to believe that, you know, sources of information are inherently true, then it makes it that much more dangerous to go online. And, you know, the, the example I, I, I have uh, th that I use for that is that my, my father-in-law was visiting one time and 
asked me if I, uh, you know, what what I thought of or if I had heard of this this drug that Stephen Hawking made. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> I was like, I'm a big Stephen Hawking fan. Stephen Hawking is a brilliant, brilliant man. I love Stephen Hawking to death. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't make drugs. He, <laughs> that's not his gig. He doesn't do that. And so they pulled up on Facebook. They showed me showed me this ad. And, and the ad was, you know, big headline, Stephen Hawking invents, you know, drug that like reverses the aging process. And under it, it said, you know, watch this CNN interview with uh, with Anderson Cooper, except for that it was a picture of like Wolf Blitzer. And, <laughs> and then and then I mean, underneath, I mean, it's like the, there were there were so many like pieces. I mean, I sat down with them and I broke it down. I was like, OK, look. This piece, you know, right off the bat, that's that's false. If you just look at the headline and then look at the picture, it's not even what it says it is. I'm like, you have to, you have to like, you have to be a little bit more critical. And so my 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 point in all of that rambling story is just a lot of people who aren't working in tech and who aren't like like working in social media don't have that level of critical thinking when it comes to what they see. Yeah, it's uh, it's a brave new world, and the in the internet now we we trust no one. Uh, I think that's become the new motto, with some pretty big implications, not just in politics or society, but in our world of enterprise or or B two B tech. I mean, who do you know uh, to trust uh, when it comes to our world of security or IT or networking or cloud? And it's a problem. The old days, uh, the, the saying was, you, you know, you never got fired by, uh, you know, buying IBM, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that that was a mantra for most CIOs. Now we have thousands of vendors and every category imaginable and a patchwork of, of solutions. And there's a lot of confusion on who's who in the zoo of enterprise and cloud and security and who can do what? And uh, we're swimming in a in a sea of of marketing hype and spin, and uh, it's it's quite a mess for buyers and uh, and CIOs, CISOs, um, and, and so the world has never been a more exciting place, but never a more confusing and maddening place as well. Right. Well, and that's and so I think that that's a that's a place where. Um, you know, where I try to bring value and a place where I think someone like you who's an influencer brings some value is like, you know, when, when, I don't know if you went to like RSA or Black Hat, but when I, when I go to yeah, RSA, sure. when I go to these events, it's exactly like what you, you know, what you were just talking about. I mean, I work in uh, cybersecurity marketing. So when I go to RSA and I go to Black Hat and I walk the floor and kind of listen to all the, all the vendor pitches and how they're framing things and, uh, generally, I walk away thinking that I feel sorry for anyone who came to that event who is not a cybersecurity <laughs> professional by trade, who, who who came there hoping to learn something and be able to like choose product A over over product B because everyone's just it's like just kind of vomiting buzzwords <laughs> and right and you know. And, you know, like if I just take like machine learning, a hundred vendors might say machine learning and like four of them are actually using it effectively. And, you know, 30 of them aren't using it at all. And, you know, and yeah. but, but using, if you don't know any better. Statistics, yeah, using statistics or a computer is not the same as machine learning. Right. And so, yeah, there's, there's been a tremendous overuse or misuse of, of these terms and the hype is so far ahead of the reality it's it's become maddening, I think, for many people, and I think what's going to be required is is sort of uh, trusting but verifying. Right. Well, and that's and then again, so that 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 for me is where someone like you comes in. Um, you know, they, if I was talking to someone else, and then they were like, okay, well, other than you, like, you know, let, let's say I don't want to listen to you, you know, who, what should I do? It's like, well, I could point them at someone like you and say, okay, well, this is someone who you know, generally knows what they're talking about and, and shares credible, valid information. So, you know, start there. Yeah. And I I would actually connect that person, let's say with 
uh, a CIO, for example, who increasingly would, would be on Twitter and she might uh, be active and blogging or, or writing about certain topics and experiences. So the beauty is with social, it's never been easier to make connections with peers and, and gather peer insights and uh, open new doors and have discussions. And, um, you know, increasingly the CIO, CISO uh, community is, is online and vocal and very active and participating in conversations and forums. And you can go directly to the horse's mouth and ask questions from, from peers. And so social media has been phenomenal as far as uh, validating and debunking claims and, uh, and, and getting proof points and, and so forth. Yeah. One, you know, so one of the areas where, at least in, in tech, and we, we, we need one of these uh, in other areas of the world. But um, when it comes to tech, I feel like sites like um, Spiceworks and PureList help uh, because they, they, they're, they're very vigilant about trying to make sure that like vendors are not there pitching things. Um, and it's more of a community of, of, of just the people working in the trenches comparing notes and trying to like, you know, share what they know with each other. Uh, and so a lot of times I feel like you can get a little bit better information there because you know, you're getting it not from a marketing perspective. Yeah, no, definitely. The, and the key word you mentioned is community, you know, participating in a community of like-minded people is, is the key, uh, the ability to look someone in the eye and ask a question and get an answer, straight answer is is really fundamentally important and i think many vendors uh, are catching up to this and realizing they need to have real world case studies they need to open up the kimono and have their clients talk about experiences and and uh and so the best vendors are out there being quite transparent and uh, and and honest and right. uh, and sharing their roadmap and uh pleading mea culpa when they don't deliver and building trust. And so that's, I think, been key as well. Right. You know, so, you know, I have my, my day job with Alert Logic, but I've also got, you know, my website that this podcast is on, uh, Techspective. And I also write for a number of other sources and I do freelancing. And and uh, on, on the point you just made, one, one of the things that I've been trying to, like, steer, you know, vendor, all the vendors that I work with towards is, like, you know, I get that, you know, from a marketing perspective, you want to talk about what makes your, what you know, why they should buy your product and what makes your product great. But I feel like you also gain a lot of credibility points and, and build trust if you're also honest about what you can't do. And, 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 and part of that too is uh, kind of a... There, there are some vendors that I've worked with in the past who, if they find out that I'm also working with, you know, or you know, happen to be working with anyone that they perceive as a as a rival, then they'll they'll cut ties and be like, well, no, I don't want to do that because you're working with them too, and that's fine, that's their choice. Um, but most of the companies that I that I work with uh, are are actually very comfortable with that because they're like that that's fine. I mean, it's like. It just because, like, if I, I can't just pretend that I don't have competitors, like, they, you know, my, hopefully my customers know who those competitors are, and you should be able to have a conversation, an, an honest conversation with a prospect or a customer, you know, that, that includes both, here's, you know, here's what we have to offer, and, you know, and, and here's why I think you should go with our product, that also recognizes that, you know, you're not the silver bullet solution for everything. And, and I think a lot of that, that's kind of the mistake I think a lot of marketing makes is it tries to pitch whatever you're doing as it's so great. This is all you need. Yeah. And I, th I think the reality is folks don't understand that their customers are out there educating themselves and they're doing 80 or 90% of the research themselves or through their sources or channels or online or through these forums or social before they even pick up the phone and talk to a rep. So the, the, the days of, you know, the Mad Men days of almost guiding a customer, you know, all the way through the buyer's journey, as it were, uh, from beginning to end are, are over. 
Right. I mean, typically customers are calling or, or signing up or doing a trial when they're, when they're sort of ready to buy based on their own uh, research. And so, which makes, you know, online and digital and social education uh, even more important than necessarily traditional marketing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're not there yet, but, and I feel like for a while now, the, the trend has been heading towards that the traditional marketing is just dead. I mean, you know, there are things that I think are dead that just refuse to die, like the yellow pages, you know, like (laughs) they they keep throwing it on my driveway and I keep putting it in the recycling bin um, because I'm like, yeah, I have this thing called Google. So, (laughs) I mean, I haven't actually opened a yellow pages in 15 years, Um, probably more than that, actually. but the same thing is true like, with, you know, like, you know, companies spend a lot of money on like television commercials. I'm like, but we, we live in a DVR world. Like, I'm not watching your commercial. And- yeah, it's funny. I mean, that, that applies to pretty much everything in our society. You know, people are putting up billboards that, that no one's looking at because they're staring at their smartphone or they're doing, you know, banner ads that no one is clicking. Um, so there's a, a general recognition i think by a lot of people that the attention just isn't there anymore on these traditional you know platforms and that it's going into things like facebook and twitter and digital platforms and community right well and and and, you you, the key there again is community because i feel like even on facebook and twitter and stuff like i can i can just pay to do ads um but i think that you know you take the, the the companies that have the traditional you know, newspaper ads, magazine ads, television ads, as they moved to digital, their uh, sort of natural inclination was to just take whatever they put in the magazine and then run it as like a display ad online without any like context and understanding of the audience and kind of how to engage that audience. And, you know, even when it comes to like, you know, banner ads on websites and stuff, I feel like those don't really work either for this like in, in the same way that billboards don't work and, and magazine ads don't work. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone's really like looking at display ads on a web on the, you know, the right hand banner on a website and clicking on those. Um, and I think that, you know, the, from a, from a marketing perspective, I think the real value is in establishing that community and, 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 just providing, just engaging with prospects and customers, and 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 providing value in general. Like that, you know. Like one of, one of the things that I, I I strive for with what we do for the blog at Alert Logic is not to just pitch Alert Logic. Like not to just be like, hey, we've got this product, you should look at it. Hey, we've got this webinar, you should register for it. Hey, we're going to be at RSA, you should come visit us. Yeah, we do all those things, and 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 obviously we want people to to come to our webinars and visit us at the RSA booth and and those things. But my perspective is nobody's going to come. No, nobody's nobody's going going to show up at the blog or show up on our social media platforms to even see that message if that's all you ever say. You know, you have to also provide some value about you know cybersecurity in general, technology in general, and just engage in conversations with people, um, you know, even even when it doesn't necessarily mean a sale. Yeah, and that, that extends to um, individual practitioners like myself. I mean, 95% of my feed and timelines aren't about myself. Uh, you know, you have to recognize you're just not the most interesting thing on any given day. So, you know, my feed is about other people. It's what's topical, interesting. It's, it's with the exception of the occasional selfie or piece of content, it really isn't about me. And that's why it's so fascinating. There's nothing more boring than talking about yourself. And that applies to companies as, as well as individuals. True. Um, so uh, actually, the two two things I'd like to try to hit on, uh, and uh, but I'll start with the one that I'm not positive if you even have anything to say because you know if if you don't, then we'll just skip past that one. Sure. Um, are you? I don't know if you were there or followed it online or whatever, but uh, did you follow um, Microsoft's Surface event last week? 
I did. I'm I'm a bit of a gadget fanatic, uh, obsessive. So I'm uh, all in on the latest and greatest devices. And, and so, yes, I was really intrigued to see that uh, Microsoft is back. I mean, what a beautiful line of devices and announcements and news roadmap. And uh, wow, it was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I've been a fan for a long time. I mean, I I, I have an iPhone. I, I once upon a time I had a I, I, I was using a MacBook Air. Um, I actually switched off the MacBook Air when the Surface Two came out, Surface Pro Two, and I've used Surfaces ever since. Um, so uh, I've got a Surface Book Two here at my desk. I have a Surface Go that I take when I'm out on the road. Um, I love the Surface line. Um, and I feel like uh, I feel like in, in, in some ways, especially in the kind of post Steve Jobs days, and then the 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 reign of Satya Nadella at Microsoft, that Microsoft has kind of taken the initiative when it comes to uh, innovating. Yeah, they've they've really opened up and uh, in a way that that surprised everyone. And how cool was that two-screen, uh, two two-sided device that runs Android, sort of a book form factor? Um, th- these are the kind of devices that are, are, are really going to blow up mobile productivity. You know, we've kind of reached peak smartphone, and people want to do more on the road. They want to they have more flexibility. And th- this device is something that's, that's pretty, it's pretty revolutionary. Yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, how it plays out over the next, you know, year plus until it actually hits the street. Um, you know, what they showed looked phenomenal. Um, and, and, you know, again, I'm I, I, I'm an iPhone user. I'm not a huge fan of fan of Android. But when I when I watched their demo and, and saw what they did with the Surface Duo, I was like, OK, that could that could make me switch. You know, if if, if it if it if it lives up to what they demonstrated that could make me switch. Yeah, that was that was that was really compelling. And even some of the minor announcements, the cool uh, in-ear headphones. I love, with, I love the trans- I love the Surface earbuds. Yeah, with transcription and all kinds of cool cloud-based uh, features. Um, yeah, n- never a better time to be a gadget fanatic like like us. Yeah, well, and so much. Of the, so the Surface. Uh, well, hold on. Was, I, I, I want to finish up on the Surface Duo. One of the things, like, okay, so at the actual event, I actually misunderstood because um, when he introduced it, Panos made a, a very strong point of stressing that this is a Surface device. You know, not it's a Surface device first. It's not a phone. Right. Um, and then all of the media coverage in the wake of that was, hey, Microsoft's coming out with an Android phone. And I was like, so I had to go back and clarify. I was like, wait, is it running Windows 10X at all? And they were like, no, 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 it actually is running on Android. I was like, okay, so I misunderstood that element of it. Um, but but my my takeaway, you know, for all the people who were like, well, it's a phone because, you know, it, it's small and it fits in your pocket and it, and it has Android and it can make phone calls. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll grant you that. However, I would counter with that my existing phone isn't really a phone either. Like for, they are personal computing devices that happen to be able to make phone calls. And I think that's true even of the iPhone that I'm holding in my hand right now. Because 99% of the time, if it rings and someone tries to call me, that just pisses me off. Like, first of all, nine out of 10 calls are spam calls and I don't want them anyway. And that one call that is somebody that I know, I'm generally like doing something else. And I'm like, just text me. I don't want a phone call. Yeah. And I, I know people who use an iPad mini as their quote unquote phone because they get like yourself, they don't make phone calls, but they are on collaboration apps and they're on audio calls and they're, they're uh, it's, you know, they have a data plan and it looks great. It's a giant screen. So why not? So, uh, so yeah, welcome to the brave new world of, of mobile devices. Yeah, and 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 what's compelling to me, um, you know, I, I I really tried hard to be a fan of Windows Phone, you know, when they were making it, uh, because what's compelling to me is that ability to have a unified ecosystem across devices, and you know, and I mean, I can do that to some, you know, you know, basically, the you know, once once they kind of recognize that Windows Phone 
Actually, it wasn't really. The, the, the timeline was not that they recognized that Windows Phone wasn't going to work, and so they did this other thing. But um, the fact that I have OneDrive and I have Word and I have Excel on apps available for me on iOS gives me some of that. I mean, I can I can I can actually you know save a file on my Windows PC and then open it up on my phone. Um, but I feel like if you have a Surface Book or if you get whatever the you know the Surface Neo when that comes out, and then you've also got the Surface Duo that that's just a smoother transition. You know, it's like, it's all it's all the same thing. It's all one platform. Everything should just kind of sync and integrate together. And you're not trying to like kind of duct tape and chewing gum, you know, apps together. Yeah, I, I can't wait to try it. Um, so on, on the earbuds, what I was gonna say is, I was super impressed with how, how interactive they are. I mean, so I, I have AirPods. I love the AirPods. But I mean, the AirPods, I have, you know, all I can do is assign, you know, when I double tap on the left one, it, it, it activates Siri. And when I double tap on the right one, it goes to the next song or whatever. That's that's kind of the limit. Uh, and with these with the Surface earbuds, there's all kinds of like swipe tap you know, gestures. And so there's a lot more uh, that you can kind of do without ever having to touch your phone. Yeah, and I think this is uh, the future of uh, virtual assistants are, are frankly, in-ear devices that uh, do away with the smartphone over time and become sort of a, uh, you know, Iron Man Jarvis in, in your ear, you know, helping manage your day and your calendar and your communications. So uh, good stuff. Right. Hopefully, they, ho- hopefully they'll continue to get smarter and, uh, and, and you know, I, I, would, I would appreciate coming anywhere near Jarvis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the, um, my, my son is a, he, I mean, he has an iPhone, but when it comes to the virtual assistants, he prefers Google. He feels like the Google assistant uh, generally provides better answers. And I know that, you know, we've got an Amazon echo in the kitchen that we all will, you know, we'll be sitting there having a conversation and then just ask, you know, Hey Alexa, blah, 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 blah. And, I swear half the time Alexa answers some, I don't know what she's answering. Like the, the answer to the, the answer she gives has nothing to do with the question I asked. <laughs> and there's a lot of room for improvement in, in those areas. And, and and with Siri, what happens a lot of times is I'll say, you know, you know, Hey Siri, you know, what was the first, uh, you know, I don't know. When was the, when was the automobile invented? And instead of just answering the question, it you know pulls up like a, a list of you know ten links and says well here's what I found I'm like well no that's not helpful like I'm driving a car I just wanted to answer the question <laughs> you know I don't I don't want to look click through ten links yeah I think we're in the early days uh, b- believe it or not of of uh, virtual assistants and man can you imagine fast forward two three five years where we're going to be in terms of truly intelligent virtual assistants it's going to be quite exciting based on the rocket ship we're we're on now with processing power and algorithms and ai and silicon and software exciting days ahead well and one of the things that i love um yeah so i realized like a lot of people have privacy concerns uh you know they, they they don't want alexa listening all the time they don't want siri listening all the time whatever um but one of the things i love about using uh, Windows and, and, and Office 365 is if I type an email to you and I say, hey, Evan, I'll send you that document by next Tuesday, immediately Cortana pops up and says, hey, I noticed that you promised Evan you'd have that document to him by next Tuesday. I'll set a reminder. And I think yeah, that's ab- brilliant. Ab- ab- absolutely. <laughs> so some people think that's creepy and they're like, well, I don't want Cortana look, reading my email. And, and, and I'm like, no, that's brilliant. Like, that's that's perfect. That's exactly what I want the, the, the assistant to do. I want it to, you know, and 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 I think, you know, like you said, we're, we're, we're definitely going in that direction. And I think we're going to get there very quickly. I think things things will kind of like kind of exponentially kind of increase in orders of magnitude. Um. Uh, you know, to where it'll be so much smarter, um, you know, but there, there, we have little bits and pieces of it now of, of like the ability, if I put in, uh, you know, that I have a doctor's appointment uh, on Monday at 11 a.m. and I put in the address and, you know, and, and Siri is smart enough to be able to look at that and go, 
oh, well, this is when you should leave. I'll, I'll remind you when you should leave. Yeah, no, I, I think we're, we're basically in kind of a void of, of uh, legislation, of privacy rules, of guidance. And as always, technology is ahead of the curve in terms of uh, society in general. Right. So there's a lot of work to be done to rein in uh, some of these companies and uh, the, the privacy overreach. But I think we'll get there. Well, and ultimately it comes down to as well, like sort of choosing your poison, um, you know, because you can go all in. Well, you're not all in, but like you can choose to trust Amazon or you can choose to trust Apple or you can choose to trust Google or you can choose to trust Microsoft or even, I mean, you can choose all of them. But but I'm just saying like some people are like, well, I just don't trust Microsoft. Um, whereas I'm much more in the I just don't trust Google camp. <laughs> so it's like, I'm okay with Microsoft reading all my stuff and doing all my stuff. I don't really want Google in, in, involved. Um, and that's just personal preference. Like, I mean, really, if you step back and objectively look at it, like they're all kind of doing the same thing. Like, nothing, you know, I'm sure there are differences. Um, but when push comes to shove, it's, it's similar. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about Apple is that Apple seems to have the least uh, sort of profit motive when it comes to privacy and, and, and analyzing your stuff. Um, uh, you know, but that, you know, again, I could, I could be wrong about that. That's just a kind of a personal, personal observation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I feel, I, th I think, uh, you know, in the past when there've been sort of the iPhone versus Android wars and the windows versus Mac wars that when I've written about those things, my uh, the, the conclusion I came to was sort of sure there are zealots on both sides, um, but when push comes to shove, they're not significantly different. I mean, I've used Windows and I've used Mac, Mac OS. Um, you know, they each have their pros and cons, but they also each do have cons. So, <laughs> so ultimately, it's just you know pick one and, and go with it. Um, and when it comes to things like the virtual assistants and the, and the smartphones, I generally tell people, well, whichever one you pick, like try to stay consistent because it, it kind of makes sense that if you're using Mac OS that you would use an iPhone and you would use a home pod. And because it's like, it, it all just works together. And it's like, if you, if you, if you get a windows PC and an iPhone and an Alexa, you know, now you got to try and like, you know, hotwire everything together. Yeah, it's very confusing for consumers. I, I think in the end, the uh, market will work itself out as it did with, you know, Microsoft Windows in the beginning and, and uh, you know, more innovation will, you know, uh, disrupt the status quo. But it is a confusing time for consumers, uh, particularly in areas like uh, smart home. Yeah. Um all right, so I, so I wanted to ask about the, the, the Microsoft event. Um, one other thing that I thought was cool there is the level of collaboration Microsoft has going on with other vendors and that for the Surface Pro, um, I, I'm going to mix up my things now. For the Surface Pro X, they worked with Qualcomm and developed that like custom SQ1 processor and then i think in the i think it was the surface laptop 3 that they worked with uh for the 15 inch surface laptop 3 they worked with amd and came up with like the you know amd ryzen surface edition uh gpu um you know so they're not they're not even just you know going to the intels and the amds of the world and saying hey what processor do you have you know that we can use they're going to those companies and saying Hey, let's sit sit down and collaborate and figure out how do we make something that fits into my device that gets me the most power possible. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's a it's a new world. I mean, Microsoft can't rest on a traditional sort of Wintel, Windows Intel model, uh, and it needs to innovate and it needs to come up with differentiated solutions and it needs to be open to collaboration and and. Uh, and and listen to customers, and I think that's what Satya has really brought into the mix. And if the market demands, you know, two-day battery life and Qualcomm can deliver it, then it's going to do something with Qualcomm. And if the market wants Android uh, for different reasons, it's going to leverage Android. So that's been 
quite a refreshing wake-up call, I think, for for Microsoft. All right. Um, so the second thing that I wanted to ask about, aside from the Microsoft uh, event, is uh, we, when we first started talking on this podcast, um, you had mentioned like you know all 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 the different platforms, the Quora's and the Nextdoors, and and. Uh, and, and you also said something about the kind of the, the rise of, of LinkedIn. And I wanted to kind of talk about that because, and actually there's a, you know, possibly a tie-in with Microsoft because I feel like since Microsoft acquired LinkedIn, it's become much more of a go-to social media platform. Whereas two years ago, LinkedIn for me was really just an online resume. I mean, it was, I mean, I, I was there and I had lots of connections um, but I wasn't visiting it like a Facebook or a Twitter or, or an Instagram. I wasn't like hanging out there and reading content and it's become much more of that. And I think from a, from like from a business perspective, the, the, uh, the engagement on LinkedIn has skyrocketed. Yeah, it really is the number one destination for uh enterprise or b2b tech and it is now a media platform it's a media company it's a blogging platform and of course a social media network and uh, folks who have recognized that and taken advantage of it are doing phenomenally well uh in terms of uh marketing and engagement and even advertising, I mean, I'm doing some custom LinkedIn ads for myself and experimenting for a couple clients and the, uh, the open rates and the engagement is off the charts compared to alternatives like Twitter. So, so yeah, it's a completely, uh, frankly, new platform. Uh, the mobile app is phenomenal. It just launched uh, video live video and, uh, People are starting to wake up and take advantage of uh, video streaming and live video. And, and so, yeah, for me, the future is bright on LinkedIn. And um, given the, the, the nature of the platform, which is much more locked down without bots and sort of uh, interfaces that allow third parties to exploit it like they did with Facebook and Twitter, I think there's much more trust in the platform as well. Well, and it's funny to me because as it has grown as a content platform and, 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 you know, like I said, there's a lot more people just posting, you know, posting original content on LinkedIn. Um, there's still sort of like, there aren't any like written rules that say that you can't post, you know, pictures of your kid's birthday or, you know, funny cat videos. But from an unwritten rules perspective, like people just don't do that on LinkedIn. There's there's still kind of like this bar of, okay, you can post whatever you want, but it should kind of be professional. Yeah, and I think people recognize that it's their professional reputation that's on the line. And so they've, uh, you know, with the real ID sort of uh, requirement you know they can't hide between a fake user uh, behind a fake username or a fake persona the sort of bad behavior has been uh you know clamped down and and so I, I i think it is a unique destination so i think the data i've seen says 60 percent of of linkedin users are not on twitter so it is a distinct uh, community and I, for, for me, it's, it's, again, not about either LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram. It really is all the above. So it's, it's uh, necessary to be on each of these platforms for its you know, unique community. Right. And, and, you know, and to some extent, I think it depends on your business. I mean, you have to, you, you, I, don't think, I don't think companies should join social media platforms for the sake of joining them. So it's sort of like when you go back to the late 90s and the, you know, the, the, the dot-com boom where like everyone got a website just because that's what everyone did. And a lot of companies, you know, and ultimately were like, well, you know, they, they didn't really do anything with it because they didn't even know why they were getting a website. Um, so like right now, one of the platforms that's exploding is TikTok. And, you know, my kids will, you know, they're not like avid TikTok 
fans, but they, you know, they'll, they'll look at it and you know, usually they're making fun of it, but, <laughs> but, but it is a huge platform and it's an, and it's an exploding platform. And I see some people, uh, I see the, you know, the Gary V's of the world, uh, who are like, Hey, you got to get on TikTok," And I'm like, okay, but you know, only if you have, only if that's your audience, like if the, if the, if the people who are on TikTok are the people you're trying to talk to, then yes, by all means get on TikTok. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, that I don't have anything to say really to that audience. Yeah. I think, I think Gary V and I'm, I'm not going to speak for him. Of course, I, I think he would argue you need to be a practitioner and you need to learn about these platforms and learn how they work firsthand and, and not just read the headlines. And so when he says, get on them, it's learning about how they work, the ins, the outs, what you can do, can't do experimenting, trying functionality or features and listening and watching and observing. And I think that's what, that's what I do with all these platforms. That's what I do with TikTok. And while I haven't found a use case yet for me or for a client, it is fascinating to, to kind of understand uh, how they work and the dynamics. Right. And the same was said of Instagram. I mean, Instagram two, three years ago, oh, it's not relevant. It's 16, 17-year-olds. And you know, guess what? They're, they're growing up and they're going into the corporate world and some of them are IT managers. And so... All these platforms do evolve and change over time, and I think that will apply to TikTok and whatever the next big thing is as right. well. That's valid. I mean, I I, I, I can see that, and, uh, and and you know, I've followed uh, Gary Vaynerchuk for some time, so I I, I, I think he would be I think he would approve of <laughs> of your characterization <laughs> um, because because ultimately it's like okay maybe there isn't a use case today, but you know. But at least for, for you, by at least being on there and sort of, you know, playing with it and understanding what, what, what's going on, at least when the day comes where it does seem like it's a valid platform, you won't have to play catch up. Yeah, and the same for Snapchat, which I use exclusively to uh, message my kids. Uh, increasingly, hey, you know, there's some times at a conference or an event where I could see Snapchat being uh, useful. And I've I've started even using it once or twice. Some of the filters are pretty cool and effects, and you can actually leverage that on the platform and even create content that you can take off the platform with some of those same filters and effects. So you just never know. Um, the key, like you you've indicated, is is to try and be a practitioner, not just read headlines and make assumptions about what will work or don't not work for your business or your opportunity. And um, and that's what I found works. And even Facebook, which people discount as a a business platform, has a phenomenal reach for certain businesses. You know, maybe you want to reach doctors or doctor's offices. You know, Facebook is the platform for that. And so it's all about context and your, you know, your goals and targets and your potential customers and where they are. Absolutely. Um so uh, I want to kind of kind of start to to wind it down, but I wanted to uh, I guess tie it back to, um, you know what what you do, um, you know basically as an influencer and 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 the value um, you know in that you know for for a company, um, you know I know we 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 at Alert Logic have I've, I've talked with you uh, you know in my role at Alert Logic uh, you know it's something that uh, you know we we. Uh, will consider uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, we've worked with other influencers at, for events in the past, um, and I, so I know for me, it's 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 a thing that is not something where we engage someone like regularly in that capacity, but that it's a good boost. It's a it's a it's an exposure boost uh, for for a thing like a, a RSA and, and or you know AWS reinvent you know things like that. Um, but you know, but that's just my perspective. So I wanted to kind of find out from you, you know, when when companies engage you uh, for your services as a social media influencer, um, you know, are they doing so ongoing? Are they doing so for you know for one off events? Um, and and what What's how do you position the value proposition for them? Yeah, it's interesting. I struggle with positioning myself uh, in some ways, and I, I think I've settled upon what what I do is is kind of storytelling 
on social and digital with clients. And so those stories could be around uh, live events where I'm sort of documenting and capturing and sharing unique insights and experiences at those events. Or it could be, um, you know, around product launches or announcements or news where I'm, on one hand, of course, sharing and, and just retweeting and amplifying my clients. But on the other hand, as a practitioner with 25 years in the industry, providing my point of view. And although I'm not an analyst, I do have an industry perspective as kind of pundit or observer. And so it's my point of view that I think my followers are interested in. So I bring my followers along to the uh, engagement and, um, you know, help with the conversations that happen around social media. So social is more than just sharing links and posts and blogs. But it's the, the goodness is really the conversations and the engagement and the comments and the questions and the fun stuff that happens, you know, around the, that, uh, uh, those links and blogs and posts. And so that's what I contribute to, both on a daily basis with clients as well as around their events and launches and big announcements and news. So uh, social is kind of a 24-7 thing. So there's always something interesting and interest, uh, innovative happening. And so it's very much about those water cooler conversations that are happening and participating them as, as much as possible. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, like I said earlier, you know, I, I have various feeds set up in, in TweetDeck. And when I first did that many, many years ago, it was in part because oh, – well, actually, I know I'm trying to wind down, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell my, my Twitter story real quick. When I first got on Twitter, I went and I Googled and I said, well, you know, so what am I supposed to do with this platform? How do I, how do I do this? And the link I found was the wrong link. So, you know, <laughs> what, what, what I found was the, 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 the guidance that said, hey, go out and follow everybody on Twitter and then they'll follow <laughs> you back. And then, you know, you'll have all these followers. And so that's what I did. I just kept following people and they kept following me back. And I got up near, you know, like 20,000 followers on, on Twitter. And, and one day I was like looking at Twitter, like trying to like actually use Twitter. And I was like, there's so much noise here. Like I've got, I've got a feed that has information from 20,000 people that I don't care about. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know these people. I don't, I don't care what they have to say. I don't know why I'm following them. And, you know, so at that point I, I, I did some more research and rethought it and was like, okay, no, I just want to follow the people that I want to follow. I want to, I'm going to, so I, I did a scorched earth. I unfollowed everybody. And then I just went back and was like, all right, I'm just going to follow these, you know, 200 people. And so now I think I'm up to, you know, I don't know, five or 600. But uh, in that, I, you know, I ended up losing about 5,000 followers who were like, well, you know, screw you. If you're not following me, I'm not following you. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> because, because that wasn't a valuable follow anyway. I was like, you're not really, you know, if you're only following me for the sake of the follow, you're not really paying attention to what I'm saying anyway. Um, and, and I'm not paying attention to what you're saying. So what's the point? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so what, what I, what I, how I sort of uh, dissect that rather dicey question is uh, through lists. So I have at least a dozen, two dozen lists. And um, on any given day, on any given subject, I, I sort of view the world through those lists. So I might be looking at right. a list of all my clients. I might be looking at a, a list of who I think are the top uh, 200 analysts. I might be looking at a list of uh, my favorite news sources. And I shift, you know, looking at list to list based on my, the perspective I'm looking for. Um, so sort of my, who I follow is really, for me, n not irrelevant. It's more about, okay, what insight am I looking to gain and, and which list do I, do I go to? Right, but well, to each his own. It really is a function of what you're using Twitter for. If you're using right. it as a news source, then then great. That makes uh, a lot of sense. So there right. isn't a cookie cookie cutter answer, I think, for for anything in life, but particularly with this topic. Right. Well, I mean, and, I, and that and that's that's the point of TweetDeck for me. That I mean, each each one of those columns, you know, that I have set up are, you know, I, I have a, a number of lists as well that I'm following influencers, I'm following customers, I'm following, you know, prospects, exactly. whatever. Um, because I, you know, I, I, I did also eventually learn that, uh, even if you're just following 500 people instead of 20,000, it's still a lot of noise. 
And, and yeah, it's such a sure. high volume that you miss good stuff because everything flies by so quickly if you're following you know hundreds or thousands of accounts um, that you end up missing stuff that you wanted to see. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, and all of this was uh, with the, the point I was trying to get to is, um, it is that, you know, people I think need to, need to know that they need to, they need to set up their own lists because the algorithms are what they are and you never know what the algorithms going to be. Um, you don't know, you know, what ends up getting shown and not shown. I mean, I, I struggle with that. Everyone struggles with that on Facebook and on, on Twitter all the time. Like I'll, I'll open up Twitter on my mobile phone and I'm constantly having to switch it back to the, no, just show me my feed in real time. And, you know, and, and the app keeps reverting to the, well, we're going to show you the most popular tweets. And I'm like, well, stop that. <laughs> I don't want you to decide for me what the most popular tweets are. I just want you to show me the ones I, I want you to show me all of them and I'll decide. Yeah, that's a good strategy. And what I, what I find as well is, you know, following keywords, following hashtags, and using Twitter search to really narrow down the topics of interest. And uh, uh, like you, I'm I'm focused on a few pretty pretty niche topics. And so, using Twitter search and using hashtags effectively means I can drill down into certain conversations that are that are quite interesting, while ignoring the the 99% that's irrelevant. So, lots of ways to tackle that problem. Yep. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I think, I mean, this is a kind of, we, we, we kind of bounced all over, but I, I, I that's, that's the way I like to do it. So, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and can't wait to, uh, to share it. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.